Hello and welcome to Self Care Sessions. I'm your host, Robin Taff, and I am delighted to be back this week with a brand new episode for you all about authenticity and finding your purpose. I am joined by my beautiful friend, Norma O'Kelly, who is sharing so much wisdom and insights with you on this topic. My intention is that you can just take something for your life, whether it's a tool, an insight, or maybe something that resonates and lands with you for where you're at. And this is your little self-care session, your time for you to maybe learn something to grow and expand. And I really hope you enjoy. If you do, as always, please reach out and let me know, or maybe share it in a WhatsApp group or with a friend you think might enjoy it because it really helps the podcast grow. But for now, let's get into the conversation. Norma, you are so welcome to Self-Care Sessions. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Robin. Delighted to be here with you. I am so excited for our conversation. Myself and Norma were chatting yesterday and kind of just brainstorming topics that we might cover together. And something that stood out for both of us was the conversation around authenticity and finding your purpose. And I, I, I'm so excited for this conversation because I already know that because it's so kind of apt for both our lives and we both have kind of experiences that we have had with it, I know it's going to be good. My first question is, when did you, was there a point where you were like, okay, I kind of noticed that I'm not really living as my authentic self or like a little moment where you were like, okay, something needs to change. Yeah. I think when I look back and I've tingled as you asked me that because that hasn't just happened and once off it happened many times. Um, my my backstory was being diagnosed with very aggressive endometriosis at 28 um, and a year after that knowing that that happened for a reason, that there was a reason I had to get sick for me to know that there was more to life that if I continued on the path that I was on, which was burning out, working ridiculous hours, partying like it was 1995 every year I was having a ball. Um, that that why that wasn't my purpose in life. That wasn't what I was here for. So it happened a lot and it, it then happened way more frequently, much later, maybe 10 years later, um, where it was like, I think the day that it really happened was the day I walked into my coach training. And for the first time in a very long time was like, I belong here. This Mm. is my work. I am meant to be here. This is what I've been seeking for many, many years. And that sense of being authentic and belonging, because I think that's the two biggest pulls we have in life that you want to be authentic, but being authentic means that you're, you mightn't be accepted and, in the nature of my work, belonging is entangled with survival because mm-hmm. as a small baby, if nobody wants us, we would die. And we have that inner drive for survival as humans. Um, there's something about the older we get and the more experiences we have in our life. And it actually doesn't always come with age, but if you have a lot of trauma or, or anything that has happened in your life at a, at a magnified level at a young age you, you might get it sooner but it does take something to happen an ending often grief as and grief comes in lots of different formats it's not always death 
the ending of something for you to know I have this opportunity to be different now. Um, But there's a huge discomfort in it because it means possibly even family saying, oh, who are you now? That's not how you used to behave or friends going, you've changed. (laughs) You know, so we lose a lot to be authentic sometimes. And I think for some people, the cost is too big. So it is around just knowing where it's safe to be authentic first. I think that's the first step. So for me, it was walking into that room full of other coaches and going, oh, yeah, these are my people. They get it. They've a lived in experience. So I think that was the start of it. That helps answer that first question. Yeah, absolutely. And I can relate so much to this. Um, You said something there about feeling safe, this feeling of being safe to be ourselves. And I, like you, have been definitely on my own journey of trying to move towards my authentic self and be myself. And a huge part of that process was feeling safe to be myself. For the longest time, I was so afraid of being fully seen because that opens you up to being judged by other people, by people commenting and being like, oh, well, like, I thought you did this. Why did this change? Or Hmm. like, there's nowhere to hide. It's almost like when we're not ourselves, we can create this space between us and the world where it's like, okay, if they don't like me, I'm safe because they're not truly seeing me. And I, for years, have been really slowly trying to step towards feeling safe to be seen. But there was so much unlearning and relearning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is the assumptions we make about what other people think. Mm -hmm. So I've even found now, and I'm like, I turned 46 this year, and you think, you know, the wisdom why didn't it come sooner? You know, it's, it's always judgment that um, I've, I've vocalized recently. You know, I, I'm often the weirdo in the room because when I speak, you can see the um, I would be very conscious of people's body language because of my training, um, a repelling, you know, a moving back because it's different and it's not what they're used to. That um, the feeling of the weirdo in the room that somebody has said to me recently what you're not allowing for is the um, the others that are surprised or delighted with what you're saying because they feel really in resonance with you um and allow space for that and I think the more comfortable we are in showing who we are and what we're about and it doesn't always need to be in a work context let, let us say um that the right people show up for us and yeah. the others, it doesn't matter. And the comfort is actually in taking that the others don't matter. They can't hear it because it's triggering or it's it's too painful for them to, to see you, to actually see you. Your pain is is they're not they're not ready yet. And we we've all met those people in our lives and we weren't ready who yeah. made us angry or frustrated with us and we weren't ready to hear what they had to say. So being authentic is also knowing that it's okay not to be liked. It's okay not to be accepted in every room. Um, and as people pleasers, that's hard. 
Um, but when you walk into the right room, boy, does that feel good in your system. You know, your heart knows you belong there. Your gut knows. Your brain is like, where the fuck have you been? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's my people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel accepted. I feel safe. So to feel safe is to know what unsafe feels like too. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't know uh, what safety was until we felt unsafe first. No, we really wouldn't. And and one thing I realized along the process was when I started connecting with people and friends, and especially in my area of work who were really authentic, I started noticing the energy that came from them it was like this refreshing this is who I am if if I'm not your person that's okay but it was I found it really expansive because it was kind of how I started to let myself get comfortable with the idea of being like okay I can be me and I will find my people like I have a list of like expanders for authenticity so people in my life who were so themselves their quirks their interests Mm -hmm. their passions in their work how they like are unashamedly themselves with their comments or like you know people come out with a one-liner I'm like that's really funny and it's just them and 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 you know what that is yeah that is have you ever seen the map of heart resonance no so we're emitting frequencies out of our heart and so are they and when they're in resonance and authenticity is is the biggest heart resonance you're going to get So they are emitting frequencies of who they are. And if if we are in a similar resonance, we're magnifying more with them. So when you speak of elevators, all our frequencies are elevating. It's science. So gratitude is another one that will elevate the heart and brain. Um, When you're in flow by the sea, right, the energy of the sea, the energy of, of woods, your heart is magnetizing at a greater frequency. Equally, you know what the opposite of that feels like. It feels heavy. There's a pressure on the heart. There's a pressure on the gut. Your heart is already at a lower frequency. You know the places you walk into and somebody is like, oh, the tormentors, they're sucking that energy. So your heart resonance goes down. So when you're with those people and the more of those are together, I was in a room full of 2,200 of them once. And let me tell you if the, how that roof stayed on. How did that roof stay on? Because you feel, I hear it in noise levels. And there mightn't be one person speaking. Mm-hmm. In a room of 2,200 people that magnify and they're working on their heart resonance. They're in deep meditation to work on it. Let me tell you, if you have been in a collection of five people where you feel elevated, you have other places to go because... Mm-hmm. When it happens, it is addictive. <laughs> why Why I see swim. Mm-hmm. Um, the body wants more of it. But equally, it makes it very hard to be in a room of lower resonance. Yeah. Um, and sadly, things like depression, which is a pressure on the heart, depression. Um, they're at a lower frequency. So how how even as somebody who is is experiencing um, the feelings of depression, what, what would magnify your heart today? How would you mind yourself? How would you allow yourself to be in with those elevators mm-hmm. and caring for yourself when you're with the, the drains or the tormentors? Um, 
And that's not always possible. So like what the work that you do, Robin, is so profound because your self-care methods and your support in helping other people is ultimately magnifying their heart resonance and they're finding their people because when they're magnetizing, you attract yeah. like for like. So that's what's happening. Yeah. And it's the feeling. It's mm. this this whole idea of dropping out of our heads and thinking about it and wondering and dropping into our bodies and feeling what we feel when you're around different people Mm. and like you said there I can feel when I walk into a room it's like my whole body my nervous system my heart is like this is not like it's I I don't feel comfortable being Mm. me I kind of maybe take a step back or kind of it's like I just know I I have my people and Mm. like even with you like for everyone listening myself and Norma did our mindfulness and meditation teaching course together and within that I feel like we connected with so many people who were in their truth they were just themselves and it was so refreshing and I think especially I will say culturally um we it was an American training right so there was like we had some really quirky characters um and initially there's the whoa but actually, as the time went on, we were in deep appreciation of them yeah. because they you use that word earlier unashamedly yeah. stay with that word. So shame, what we carry in our culture sometimes is um, who does she think she is? Um, be quiet. You know, the, the rule of belonging in some families be seen and not heard. So the shame in associated with being you and unashamedly is freedom. It's like belonging, it's resonance, it's all the words that I we've mentioned already. And um there's something about the culture in America because of the type of people, and we're talking systemically, generations of people that went to America, the brave, the courageous, the I must survive, and this is, you know that I I have this image of somebody walking into a saloon, you know, in like, you know, the cowboy and Indian area of like Mm -hmm. walking in and going, this is me. Mm -hmm. Um, Culturally, there is an allowance for difference because of the nature of how they arrived. Whereas in Ireland, we were in a survival, um, not be seen because if you're seen and loud, you got shot, you you got killed or you didn't survive. Um, and we have a real and the Catholic guilt, which is all entangled into shame of who the fuck does she think she is? Mm-hmm. Um, um, isn't she big for her boots now? So I talk about this idea of being right sized. You can still be right sized and be authentic. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be bigger than the room. It's not an ego thing. I'm not I'm not bigger than you, Robin, because I did this and you did that. We're all walking the same path. I see you. I respect and allow for your authenticity. Um, and and I think it is a danger in this work that people would see themselves bigger than they are. So it's about right-sizing yourself along with authenticity. And it's not because we're suppressing anything in ourselves. It's knowing what size we are. And sometimes we're wrongly sized and that we've made ourselves too small. That's another one. Mm-hmm. That's some of my work. Um I make myself too small because I don't want to be seen. So then I have to make myself a little bit bigger, but I'm not bigger than anybody else in the room. But there might be somebody in the room who is incorrectly sized and actually 
I work with a man who was a priest. Um, and he said he was in the supermarket one day and the child goes, Mammy, Mammy, look, at there's God. And how the church um, allowed for them to be put in a position that they were God and they were wrongly sized when they were walking with the people. Like Jesus walked with these people, um, whether you're religious or not, you know, the, the, that's the story, you know, the, the right sizing. We've made systems and structures to make people bigger than they are sometimes in the context in the work that you, doctors, surgeons, mm-hmm. where you have to refer to them as professor. Mm-hmm. I've been speaking to somebody about that in relation to the systems that we occupy where they might think they're in their full authenticity, but actually the system has enabled them to be too big or too small. So it's all this idea of being right-sized. We're all equal. You take off all our clothes and we all have the basic needs of love, security, food, shelter. We're all the same. And to respect that in the other is so profound. Um, and yet there's still so much room for authenticity within that. Yeah. I actually listened to a podcast yesterday and the guest was a big basketball player in the States. He was retired, but he said something and I was kind of driving home and I was like, oh, I've never really thought of it like that. He was talking about this idea of having people on a pedestal within our careers and within Mm -hmm. their job title. Mm -hmm. And he was like, if you look at my job title in exactly what it is for my life, my job has been to put a ball in a net that's that's what I've done for my whole life. You look at a porter in a hospital. Their role is to get people safely to surgery. It's to get them safely to where they need to be within a hospital to get their health looked after. He was like using this reframing and looking at, okay, I'm not any better than them and they are no better than me. We, we really are all equal. Yeah, and I think it's the one great way to help reframe it is I am in the role of... I am in the role of, for me, I was in the role of a marketing manager. I was not a marketing manager. I'm in the role of a nurse. I'm not a nurse. So we entangle the roles into who we are. And, you know, when people retire and they don't know who they are because they've identified themselves with the role. And then if the role has a lot of prominence, respect, um, like you see doctors and surgeons that retire and they still want to be referred to as a doctor. They were in the role of doctor. So when you leave a company, um, the loyalty or the um, entanglements of you leaving your system is becomes really, really unhealthily, unt- really tangled up. And just my work is to help that grief and that transition to know that you're no longer in the role of um we talk about the 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 different roles we play in our lives and Mm -hmm. they are that they're roles they but the one roles where it's harder you know i am mother i am father they are roles that stay with you for your life i am Mm -hmm. sister the roles we play in our family are the the first roles we play and they will stay with you and there is an entanglement sometimes healthy sometimes unhealthy but when it comes to work I am in the role of executive coach. I'm in the role of meditation teacher. I am not an executive coach. Mm -hmm. It's when we overly identify ourselves with the roles we play. It doesn't take from my mission or my why. It doesn't, but it is the role. And why we get burnt out 
is we feel the heaviness of the role we've overly identified and maladapted because of society's wish for us to entangle. You know, like during COVID, the role of the nurse, you're a nurse. It was everything, the duty of care and the over-responsibility that you felt in trying to keep people alive when you walked in, you stepped into your uniform, you were in the role of a nurse while you were a nurse. When you took off your uniform, you were Robin. Mm. So having the, be able to distinguish between the two is a really healthy boundary um, to allow yourself to step into the roles that you really want when you want them. It's really, that. really important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having like so many like pings, <laughs> even as like I'm thinking of like my my last year of trying to move towards being more myself and creating um my work around myself and my mm-hmm. what I know I'm good at, what I love to teach. And as you said there about I am in the role of a nurse for the longest time, I was trying to hold on to that and be like, OK, well, this is me. I am a nurse mm-hmm. It has to be part of what I do and part of my identity. And and it's almost like this, maybe entangled in the only went to college to do that. You have to use that. So the systems you came from, right? So you're loyal to the systems that you belonged in. And one of the biggest loyalties we often have is our education system. Mm. and the rules of belonging was that you signed up to be a nurse, you will always be a nurse. That was the rule you signed up to. So for you to extract yourself from that would have felt that you are no longer you. Mm. So how you allow for um, a grief and a transition when you step away from, I'm no longer being loyal to that system, and they might cast me out and say, I'm not a part of it. And if you met really, really great friends in those years of education, Who am I now in relation to them? Mm. So our rules of belonging and our authenticity, as I say, there is when we look back at all the systems we've ever occupied, um, each one had a rule of belonging. And those rules come with us in our lives. Some will be useful. Some would not be useful. You know, the ones I was saying earlier about families of, you know, speak when you're spoken to, don't be seen. Um, education systems is we were right and we thought you the right way and when you step back from that and I see it as the coach training I would have gotten now seven years ago some of those rules now don't serve me because they don't allow me to be authentically me it doesn't mean I break the rules Mm. but I honor them but I don't need to carry them heavy and I don't need to punish myself if there is a slight deviation from them And I think a lot of us internalizing that we're bad because we're not subscribing to those rules anymore, even though it's a system that we've left. So we carry them with us. And the work I do is to acknowledge them. What's actually going on here? What is the assumptions you're making? Um, And dutifully put them back where they belong. So I do an exercise of literally boxing them up and giving them back. And then taking what is mine, I'm going to take what is mine, what is mine, what feels right, what feels right in my heart, what feels right in my gut, what feels right in my mind. And then allowing yourself to honor the system you've come from, Mm. but you don't need to hold it heavy anymore. And that is the truest game changer in lifting 
that lightness we spoke about. So starting to restore flow to your own system, honoring them, but not carrying it heavy. We think of, I always use the analogy of, and it feels very Christian this morning, um, the idea and, and martyrdom is carrying a cross. But who owned that cross? Was it Jesus's cross or was it all of humanity? We've told the story in our terms that he was carrying all of humanity. But yet there's people every day that they're carrying crosses that are not theirs, that mm. belong to other people. So when we're looking at self-care and authenticity and minding ourselves, what is mine? What belongs to somebody else? How can we hand back what is theirs and take what is ours? Then you have an authenticity. Then you start knowing that when you walk into the rooms that it doesn't feel safe. And then you know that, oh, well, that wasn't my mother's or that wasn't mine or Actually, I had an aunt who, you know, you start knowing who and the word familiar, family. A familiar feeling comes from our families, mm. our first rules of belonging, our first patterns. So checking them and, and I would have said as well, you know, that comes back from seven generations. So a, a young or tragic death in your family, um, someone lost at war, someone, a black sheep that reappears in the family system in other ways. Mm. Um, so I help look and untangle that of who are you representing? You know, sometimes the energy we're representing isn't ours when, you know, you can't figure it out. Mm. Logical thinking is not working it out and you're beating and embracing yourself. That's when sometimes you have to really deep dive and somebody that like me who works and allows you to start acknowledging what is something way bigger than you. Because it can't always be be you to be the solution. Mm. You know, you're holding something way bigger and it feels so fucking heavy. You'll feel mm. it, a pressure on your heart. You'll feel it. It comes out sometimes as like gut issues because you're, you're not able to understand what your gut is telling you. So mm. like IBS, a lot of Irish actually because of famine, a lot of our diseases are disease are linked into food, food things. So um, intolerances, allergies, um, diabetes, IBS, um, gut health, we have a, a huge systemic um, int- entanglement with those diseases based on famine, based on we didn't have enough food to survive, um, overweight, the pressure and everything we put on ourselves, it's often linked to depravity um, because mm-hmm. we, we didn't have enough food. Um, and so burnout, all of that is can be systemically looked at not just blaming ourselves or we should have known better. And it's the environment we're in is mm. triggering something from an environment we've been in before. So, and yeah. often that is the family. So it's familiar. It's a familiar feeling. Um, so I'm blessed with this work because I just see things at a new stance now um, where I would have blamed myself for my illness when it was something way bigger than me, way bigger. And yeah. to untangle all of that allowed for this restoration piece and flow in the system. And my, I talk about the three brains, the the head, the heart and the gut. And when all three are talking and you're allowing them to be heard, your system's in flow and in resonance and then the heart vibration, then you're radiating heart energy. But when the three are anyway blocked and some of the blocks are not always ours, that's yeah. when the magic, that's when the magic happens. And I even look at my family in that I have a hereditary heart condition my sister has a borderline my mum has it my grandmother Mm. has it and anything past that 
like healthcare or medical knowledge Mm -hmm. wasn't there to ever diagnose it but looking at this like the generational kind of passing down and I'm very spiritual as well as kind of interested Mm -hmm. in science and I always look at something that needs to be healed within our family line around our heart and Mm -hmm. even one of my mentors um Judith McAdam she always says oh there's there's a lot of heart healing that are that's going on as generations move down Mm -hmm. in your family and it's so interesting how we kind of forget that so much of how we feel our beliefs our patterns our personality comes from generations way behind us like we carry there up to seven Yeah, we carry it. And it's unlearning that and allowing Mm. ourselves to find what feels right Mm. for us. And it it takes time and it takes work. And look at it as you're talking. You talk talk from that heart space. So um, my work would be looking at if if your logic tells you that your grandmother and it could be something from before then. And there's four chambers in our heart. Mm. So... And each one has information. So the work would be asking the wisdom from your heart or representative energy of your grandmother's heart. What did that heart witness? Mm. What what did that, that first heart that you're aware of witness? What did it feel that couldn't be allowed to be felt? Yeah. And I already know what it is. And I've already mm. spent lots of time healing that for hopefully one day if I'm lucky enough to have my own kids and unlearning and kind of peeling back all those layers and Mm. um, moving forward I suppose yeah it's really ironic there's a real heart resonance I'm going to show you something and I think you might have seen it already Um, I I got Tenderheart the bear who is like fresh from 1982 or something this week um heart energy is and i'll show i'll make you laugh even more um the other book on my table right now (laughs) is called heart thoughts by louise hay um so heart energy is and hence our resonance for each other but um there's something around heart health Mm. and what does heart health mean to your family what would it mean to have a really healthy resonant radiant heart Mm. how and what assumptions are is your heart making that it can't get there mm. what's and 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 some of those assumptions aren't yours yeah there's something somebody witnessed or felt deeply that had to push down into their heart and as you say you've done so much work around that and it's um acknowledging that uh, and then the the honoring your heart is honoring what maybe other family members didn't get to experience you don't have to hold that heavy in your heart anymore so and there's a real um yeah it feels really expansive that was a word you used already it feels uh, the those four chambers are getting bigger and more resonant and allowing for the good stuff you want in Mm. whether you know that's having children having um this work you know um it's all there you know there's space for that now mm-hmm. yeah it's weird how <laughs> how spot on this is from my life um but well, it's mm-hmm. not it's not at all weird it mm. I completely understand why it's coming up mm. for us and we're talking about it 
Mm. I want to ask you for anyone listening who is in a place where they're like, I don't know who I am. I don't Mm. know what I like. I don't know who I am authentically. Mm. Where can we start? What is the first step we can take to start to connect with ourselves and this process of living life more authentically? I think it's unique to everyone. But when you're ready, the right messages will start appearing, whether you see them, hear them, depending on your sensory way of taking in information. Um, I think nowadays there is an overload of information. But if you find yourself hearing the same messages again and again, or seeing the same messages or experiencing the same feeling, there's wisdom. I love the there's there's wisdom in the wobbles. So if you're crying over something, well, there's wisdom in that. If you're being triggered by something, there's wisdom there, go after it. So whatever we focus on grows. And what often cases we're so focused on what we don't want, we are finding it hard to start focusing on what we do want. So I think for anybody who's already listening to a podcast like this, they're already on a place of discovery. So they already have an advantage my sadness is for the people that haven't even begun yeah. to unpeel. And it is, um, the journey will be uniquely yours and no more than how you and I found our way. Um, theirs will be their journey. And sadly, some of it is karmic as well. You know, they have to go through something before they're ready to hear it or see it. And that's that's a part of divine order and divine timing. Um Dolores Cannon, who I really, she's a quantum healer, who she's like an early Dr. Joe, really. Um, She nursed her husband, who nearly died for 20, 30 years. She didn't find out who she was until her 50s, 60s. And because she had other work to do. So sometimes there will be other work that won't allow us to find our authentic self. As I said, sometimes people will find it earlier. Their journey will be uniquely to them. You can't force it. It is a surrendering um, divine source will, will will show you it's ready. It's ready to be yeah. revealed. And there's no forcing in this. It's a really natural flow. It should feel like in a flow state. And you know what happens in a flow? You hit a feckin' bumpy patch. You and I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um you know that meme that's really funny um the child is in the teacup that's spinning around and it's um you know when you found spirituality you think it's going to be all pleasant and it's like a bumpy ride um wild it's absolutely wild wild. yeah but would we go back and turn back time and we'd Mm. do it all over again and that is going to be somebody that is listening to your podcast today that is going to be their experience by the very nature of listening to us this morning there is an unpeeling and an unraveling already that has begun as Mm -hmm. I said my deep sadness is for somebody that has yet to experience something huge to go into that shift and my mission is to help you fall in love while you're going through those changes Mm. not waiting for you to be the other side of the change but actually loving yourself through that change I I'm somebody who, after a hysterectomy and a menopause, that was my work. When I was lying in that bed, feeling I'd been stripped of my womb, going through sudden menopause, that I had to start loving her 
right there and then, not for when she was going to get better, not for when, you know, she was going to meet and madly fall in love with someone. It was not then that she needed the love she needed. I needed my own feeling of care for myself when I was at my worst, Mm. when actually I was at my most beautiful, most vulnerable and most profound. It's those days. And if I can help someone to feel that love during a change, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Because people expect the reward no more than going to the gym. Can you love yourself on the days that you don't want to lift Mm -hmm. 20 kgs or whatever Mm. that you go, actually, I'm just going to go one day night. I'm just going to do 7.5s now tonight. No, I'm not doing 10s. I'm not going at all. (laughs) Love myself when I'm resting. Love myself when I'm going through. And I think authenticity, love, and it's a big word, heart resonance, heart radiation, they're the knowing that there is amazing source energy that is accessible to you, that you don't have to do it on your own. That's when the magic happens. Yeah. yeah. That is this morning, us mm-hmm. having... Imagine a previous Robin and a Norman in a different life. We we wouldn't get this. Is our work. This is our, yeah. this is this is us working in our role of mm-hmm. not to make yeah. ourselves too big. We're still we in our role. It's not who we are. We're bigger than that, even again. Mm. But right sizing ourselves as well. It's all yeah. of those things. It's and it's the beauty of love and change. It's not change or love. It's mm. both. Yeah. We and one thing that I found like a little bit helpful when I was I suppose in that beginning part where I didn't I was kind of spending even my time on stuff that I knew that I didn't want to like saying yes to things that Mm. weren't something that I was interested in or a space that I wanted to be in so I love using a journal I use it it makes Mm -hmm. no sense it's just my brain in words on pages but I sat down and I started just to play around with okay what might my values look like like what am I interested in where Mm. do I like to spend my time and even finding words like health and self-care were something that I really value Mm. um another one was impact so I've always known within my work I love to help people in whatever way Mm. that looks whether it was nursing full-time at one point or whether Mm. it's this now impact is something that came and Mm. my heart was like yes that is because you know what how you came to that Robin Mm. because you knew what the opposite of that felt like yeah so whatever you're experiencing now the values are often the opposite Mm. that is a great place to start on value work Mm. whatever you know whatever you focus on grows so Mm. what do you want to start focusing on Sometimes it tends to be the opposite or something in the middle. Mm -hmm. So you were a nurse where the assumption would be that you're having huge impact. But for you, it wasn't resonant. It wasn't the type of impact you wanted. So I talk as well in my work, being helpful versus being useful. Mm -hmm. Being helpful is great, but it comes from a place of rescue. And to right size ourselves, we're all being useful in the work and allowing yourself in whatever your role is, and for any of the listeners, how can you be even more useful versus helpful? Because we all want to help, because that comes from a familiar place. 
wanting to be helpful at home. Um, being useful allows for a lovely energy. It's much lighter. It doesn't feel as heavy. Um, and also that idea of the values will reveal yourself if you're listening. Um, and if the the noise at the moment is you said self-care and love is because you're not experiencing any self-care. Mm. So your desire is for that. Um, for me, my big one was freedom because I didn't have it. That's one of mine too. Yeah, learning because mm. I wanted more of it. Connection. Mm. You know, it's 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 in in the it's in the moments of the lack of these things is our desire for more of them, and then you'll know what your values are. So for those mm. that are looking at value work, I think it's great, but there's it's much deeper. Why? Yeah. You're allowed to ask why. Mm. What happened at a young age that has made you feel that way? Mm. And then it's really important to you. Yeah. And then it's it and it's and then how do you magnify that then? How do you start going walking on a journey with that, not chasing it, just walking on a journey with it. Mm. If I want more self-care, where do what do what can I control this week? And journaling is a lovely way, especially if you're streaming consciousness and you're not putting a logic into I want to write nicely or I want to say the words nicely no just get it all out that's where the wisdom comes comes from from. but equally can I say for me I love writing Um, there is definitely a book um it's coming um but for me it's hearing my voice back actually I have to record myself there's a resonance in my voice for myself I will listen to this podcast back to get my own wisdom that I, I won't remember what I said. So um, for people where writing isn't something that um, feels okay, start using their voice memos. Yeah. Um, if they're lucky enough that their phone isn't shared by smallies. Or, um, <laughs> but recording yourself is another way to do that. Your voice, um, especially if you follow human design and you're a projector, your voice energy is really, really um, key there. It won't always come in the form of a pen for yeah. people. So interesting. Whereas I find with writing, like even like if I have a lot of stuff going on, like I sat down on Sunday and I felt like I was in this like void of space where I had, I was just kind of in survival mode. There was a lot going on and I sat down, made tea, lit a candle, got my notebook and I just wrote and it just helped me make sense of everything that was going on inside. And I was able to kind of bring some structure to it and be like okay this is how I'm feeling what can I do this week to then Mm. help me shift that and it it works for me every time Mm. so it's so interesting that we all have our own ways yeah and I funny it's letters or postcards to myself or to whoever I need to share they don't they don't get sent Mm. um if I think I'm writing to an aspect of me an age of me or future me um I find letter writing something familiar something I did when I was small um and postcards I bring it in actually I do in my group work I get them to send a postcard to themselves um a message that their future self would really appreciate um and it's something really simple it can be one word and it'll just trigger a memory we're all about remembering very familiar Mm -hmm. (laughs) family thing remembering those words that really were helpful and sometimes they are value words 
Um, yeah. And postcards a great way. Send yourself a postcard. I used to um, send myself Valentine's cards there for a few years, you yeah, know, because I, I knew my future self would thank me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I write letters uh, or notes or journal to my inner child all the time, all the yeah. time. And it re- I find it so helpful, um, especially in phases where I'm kind of being pushed to expand or grow or there's stuff mm. happening where there is that unlearning just writing to her to comfort her is it? Yeah, yeah comfort her and let her know yeah. that she's safe and that she can do it and everything's okay and just that it's compassion I suppose we're just giving ourselves that compassion and grace which would that is amazing my 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 intuition is telling me start writing letters to your eight-year-old self and her heart Eight, actually yeah. an eight-year-old's heart mm. that's your that's also keep doing the Right to your 80-year-old heart. Yeah. We did actually a meditation in the space um, a few months ago now, but it's like a visualization where you're in a park and it's like filled with flowers. It's the most stunning setting. Mm. And on a bench is your 80-year-old self. I do that too, yeah. I love it. You're sitting with their wisdom, with their knowing that everything ends up okay Mm-hmm. And it is, it's so emotional, but so comforting. And again, like you say so much about wisdom, space for wisdom to come through. If there's something that. It's there. The knowledge is there. Yeah. It's within us. We don't need to go to a fortune teller. Let me no. tell you. It's no, the wisdom is there. Not. So I do it in both my coaching. I do it in my meditations as well. That um, often do it as a party. And mm. if you can't hear for yourself who comes to that party and who tells you, you know, a gift or a message. Um, but aspects of ourselves are also, you know, for somebody else on this call who maybe is having gut issues right to their gut when they're 75, 80, what would that gut tell them to mm. do or know now what, what wisdom could it give them from the future? And that holds huge energetic frequency and resonance we're drawing ourselves into our future self moving away from the patterns of the past still yeah. honoring them still acknowledging them they're there but really we want to bring that heart resonance to the future for what we want to happen focusing yeah. on that you know mm. oh yeah so much i want to touch on the topic of finding your purpose this is mm. something that i used to focus on a lot and I was like I don't know what my purpose is what is my purpose how do I find my purpose I don't know where to even start and it actually I think this idea of having one thing that you do and that you're good at and you're meant to be in for life is actually sometimes not that helpful (laughs) no it's it just kind of adds stress to the whole process yes feel a huge weight of pressure on your heart if you were trying to find it yeah yeah do you have a message for anyone who is maybe listening and and they have been taught to try and find their purpose or they're in a place where they're Mm. like okay I don't have a purpose I don't know who I am Mm. how can we kind of help them let go of this idea of having one thing that they're meant to be doing for their life yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very unhelpful belief that, that you should. Um, I think it's going where the energy is for now as a part of your journey. So if you've a passion for 
hiking. I don't know. I'm looking at a bunch of flowers that somebody gave me recently. I did like a course in flower arranging and I just I was like, oh my God, I love this. And I just did that for a little bit. And yeah. I, again, I'm real projector energy and human design. I have to go into the path and do it and then go, oh no, that's not for me now anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, I Next. did singing. <laughs> yeah. Like I did say, I like learned how to sing last year and people were like, oh, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, I'll probably just do casual choir every now and then. But like, no, I've done that now. I've experienced that. Mm. Um, for me, it's experiences. It's not about finding my I have a podcast called Finding My Purpose and I actually thought about it this morning. I was like, I should go back to that podcast because I think a lot of it is probably bullshit now. <laughs> I would have probably used the words I want to be helpful. Um, and I'm like, it has changed and it keeps changing because I am changing and it's the idea of being in love with the change and yourself when you're changing. Why is it so important to you to find your purpose? That's the first question. What is it about yourself that you don't feel like you're enough right now? Mm. how can you love yourself as you are today with the not knowing the learning and the discovering and and the why it's so important is not in a judgment way it's like the why might reveal that you don't feel like you're enough right now and then that's your work Mm. how can you feel like you're enough and whole as you are today Mm. and when you start feeling whole the the what you're interested in reveals itself mm. um like I was driving by a church yesterday and it was like announcing like looking for choir members and I went okay that's not my message <laughs> but I was like you know six months Didn't ago I've been like yeah I was like maybe I could join a choir I'm like no you'd hate that you know oh, but I was like whereas you know six months ago I'd been like oh, it's a sign a sign you know like yeah. y- you have to be grounded in your spirituality too I think and pragmatic about it because Jesus we'd be exhausted if we were following all the signs every day um some of the signs are there to kind of laugh at us as well you know I think coincidental signs is I think you have to have great sense of humor and spirituality as well because um like I that's what I love about my group of spiritual friends like we just laugh all the time like all the we were at the medicine festival last year and some of the funniest things were the stand-ups about spiritual people because they were so on point you know um you have to laugh at the whole ridiculousness of all the shite that comes with it sometimes um just because you see something doesn't mean you have to act on it you'll know you'll know trust the knowing and if you feel pressurized into you know, finding your purpose right now, I think it's more about this wholeness and feeling complete as you are. You are really, really, really well resourced for getting to know yourself from all the experiences you've ever had, the good, the bad, the ugly. And that's enough for right now. And the rest, it will happen. Trust it's coming. And it mightn't be the time. The divine order, divine timing thing is really key. You're not ready. And getting comfortable with it's okay as Mm. you are as you are today I love I say this to myself at least once a week I'm like I'm getting ready to be ready always getting ready to be ready and I don't know what for I don't know when but I know from now looking back on my life that I'm like that phase was getting me ready for this next phase. And I know Mm -hmm. that this phase in my life, I am getting ready for the next one. And it's okay if it's not on my timeline. It's okay Mm -hmm. if things don't look how we plan. I think one of 
the, the biggest lessons to learn is that you cannot control timelines of your life. You can't. Time is just energy. Yeah, it's it's. And I say this as I did not find this easy, but learning to be okay with where you are. Yeah. And while you're on the way to what's coming. Mm. Not easy. And but, that's, but, but, and sometimes you can't do that alone. You do yes. need somebody to feed it back to you that you're okay where you are. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and whatever will be for you will come. Mm-hmm. If you keep restoring yourself, renewing yourself and spring is such a time of renewal, but it's the careful you don't run out of the traps too soon in spring. So seasonality, um, honoring the seasons is a part of honoring your system. And um, yeah, like it's 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 a ride. Right. And time Mm. is, you know, we know when time goes fast and we know when time goes slow. and if your time is going slow, lucky thing, you like you've got spaciousness to learn in that. But you don't need to be alone. Nobody needs to be alone in the suffering. And I think, you know, I love the course you and I did, the American view on suffering. What do they call it again? I was telling somebody recently. Discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm more uh, than going through discomfort here. Yeah, yeah. But the if you are really, really focusing on the suffering, where is the room for the joy? Yeah. So careful what you focus on. Mm-hmm. There is room for both, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be so either or in life. And mm-hmm. if you are finding that something's not coming, what is already there? Mm-hmm. What's already here? How are you resourced for this current phase before the next phase? And yeah. you're so well resourced. We, each of us are, all of us are resourced. What are your resources? Write them out. Who else can help you? Who else can be useful to you? Mm. Who else has been there, done that, experienced this? Yeah. And you'll take what's relevant to you and not everyone's journey is relevant to you because it has yeah. to be uniquely yours. And that's what time is. It's a journey, you yeah. know, um, and it will speed up and go slow and hit loads of bumps on the way and definitely humor. <laughs> Yeah. And like as Irish people, we are self-deprecating in our humor, but that's our humor again, you know, as long as it's not cruel. Um, I find a really healthy take in the piss. Oh, my God. The laughing I do with my spiritual folk are just like, I mean, like, yeah, pissing yourself. Like, it's just the best. It's the best. And it's so and that I love that about the women I see swim who wouldn't necessarily be spiritual, but we just laugh at ourselves all the, the time. Mm. Like it's just so heart giving yeah. and resourcing, mm. you know? Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Norma, where can everyone find you? So I'm at Norma O'Kelly on Instagram and Norma O'Kelly on LinkedIn and website is not great. So <laughs> Instagram is probably the best it's way coming. for your, for your <laughs> listeners to find me um but yeah I'm easily thankfully there's not too many Norma coaches out there so they will find me and I'll send all the links as well to you yes I will put them in the show notes for everyone listening and I'll share I'll tag you in my story when I um, put this up in a reel but I I cannot thank you enough for your wisdom um I knew you have like this energy it's just like (laughs) so wise and like 
yeah, I knew this was going to be a good episode. Even before we sat down, I was like, no, there's going to be a really, really good conversation here. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me and being so open to my words and the resonance of both of us and our heart energy today. It's been really magical. I'm tingling. Thank you. So thank you. That was brilliant. Thank you so much. Not at all. Isn't I knew it would right? be. Yeah. We weren't ready it? last year. 